You see, we don't, we don't care about failing. We don't care about trying and falling over. That's, that's fine. But hey, if someone sees it and can point and snicker, that terrifies us. And in the gotcha society we are in today, that's the biggest thing. Not the fear of trying and failing, the fear of people seeing it. This is The Playbook. Hey, this is Dave Meltzer live in the lobby of the win at the Blue Wire Studios. I'm blessed to be a partner with Blue Wire. This is the nicest podcast studio I've been in. And now I have one of my favorite people. He's visiting us before he goes to the airport. Steve D. Sims, he is an incredible sought-after author, speaker, and coach. Uh, and what I love about Steve D. Sims is that he has a real approach to things. There's no BS. There's no fluff. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, you're probably one of those coaches that, you know, you are Thurbian in nature, which means that you perturbate people by telling them the truth. And I imagine you can manage anyone out of your life by simply exposing <laughs> Uh, what they are, but you wrote this book that is so intriguing to me. Go for stupid, <laughs> the art of achieving achieving ridiculous goals. Uh, obviously, this book is about the limitations that we put upon ourselves. Yeah. Um, let's go through real quick. What are the most common limitations when you're talking about going for stupid that people put on themselves? Well, the first one is to recognize the word impossible. You know, how many times you go, hey, I want to do this, but it's impossible, but I'm going to go for it. <laughs> You've already given yourself that excuse, okay? So, you know, in my office, and this is how the whole go for stupid thing came about, whenever we would get someone come to us, we would go, okay, how can we go for a stupid goal on this? How can we make our achievement ridiculous? How can we risk being laughed at? And the funny thing is, it's that last thing that people don't like. You see, we don't, we don't care about failing. We don't care about trying and falling over. That's, that's fine. But hey, if someone sees it and can point and snicker, that terrifies us. And in the gotcha society we are in today, that's the biggest thing. Not the fear of trying and failing, the fear of people seeing it. And it starts by us putting that limitation in our head. You know, I'd like to go for this, but it's impossible. Get rid of that. We call it the Voldemort word. You don't say it. You don't, you don't give it any power, okay? And then you go, okay, how can we make this stupid? And it's the classic, if I want to make a million dollars, great. Don't go for a million dollars. Plan for 10 and fail at five. Right. And that's, that's, and the funny thing was, this was a book of aggravation. Uh, during COVID, I was getting aggravated where COVID was the two year period of excuses. You know, how many people were out there going, oh my God, you know, I'm not getting to meet my friends anymore. You know, I'm not getting to go to the gym. You weren't going to the gym beforehand, <laughs> you know, so it's just an excuse. <laughs> so that was the thing that was bothering me. And I, I was talking with various people, various friends. And it started going through these, 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 these oh, things that hold us back, these convenient excuses. And then the gotcha society came along and we heard this word that we hadn't had before COVID, the cancel culture. Yeah. And everyone, there's almost a tribe out there that are waiting for Dave Meltzer to say something that they can take into a sound nugget and cancel him. It's almost a challenge. You know, they're like the, the modern Indiana Jones. Let's find <laughs> something that we can bury this guy with. And that shouldn't be the case. Um, we all make mistakes. We all say silly things. Thank God we never had cameras back in the 70s, 80s when we were growing up. For sure. Pretty sure we did some silly stuff, you know, and maybe some inappropriate things. But that society now, that gotcha society, that cancer culture, is causing us to stop trying for fear of being caught out. And... I started looking around at some of the people that I'm happy to be able to work with and call clients and, you know, Elton John, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, Jean-Paul de Joy, some, some decent people. Yeah, some big dreamers. 
None of those care about the snickering. Yeah. None of those people ever go for impossible goals. They go for abstract ridiculous. And I remember uh, walking through SpaceX with Elon Musk once, and he turned around and he went, do you know they'll always laugh at you just before they applaud? And so during COVID, I started putting this together just as memoirs for me. And it started off, it was going to be quotes that I would use on my Instagram page. And then it kind of got a little bit long-winded, and all of a sudden this was a chapter. Before you know it, it's a full-ass book. It is an amazing book, and amazing people have endorsed you as well, some of the biggest dreamers in the world, including some of my friends there, Jim Quick and Jay Abraham, yeah. amazing people that think outside, Joe Polish as well. But there's also some antidotes um, that I find uh, when people limit themselves. Uh, in thinking of kind of how do we frame or react because people will laugh at you, scoff at you, make fun of you before they applaud you. Yes. And the more you practice getting laughed at, made fun of and snickered at, what are some of the things that we can use to frame it or to use as an antidote? Uh, because you're a king of this. And I'm thinking of some in my own head, but I want you to share. Yeah, I know. I'm actually talking to a master here. So you know, <laughs> you know the answers before you've answered me. And you already gave the answer within your question. It's the framing. You see, everyone's frightened of something, and that's fine. We're all frightened of things. It's, it's human reaction. We walk past a, a bush and it rustles. You know, we're aware. That's what the fear is. It's how we handle that and how we react to that. A lot of people are scared of doing things, so they do nothing. But surely the fear should be not doing things, not trying. I remember you mentioned Joe Polish. Joe Polish turned around to me once, and he said, the definition of hell is to meet the man or woman you could have been. Now, that terrifies me. It terrifies me not to make risks, not to travel, not to take opportunity. I need to do those things because if I stay still and avoid that, I become stationary, stagnant, and die. You know, everything, anything that stands still dies. So that should be the fear. So what we first of all have got to do is recognize what's holding us back and then reframe it. You know, are you scared of trying or are you scared of people laughing at you? And the people that are laughing, me and you, you, we get laughed laughed at a lot. (laughs) And we've got haters and we've got those little cretins out there that you you don't know what you're talking about. You know, while they're kind of like, you know, doing that shift at Staples. You know, those kind of people, it doesn't matter. And they always say, you know, be so successful you have haters. Sadly, it comes with the territory. You've just got to know how to frame it. And you've also got to notice, should I be listening to those? And you say about the antidotes and the kind of correction, The saddest, toughest thing that you guys have got to realize for anyone that's listening out there is, first of all, you've got to know who your circle is. Now, we've all been in situations where we've been been sitting at a coffee table, we're in a bar, and we sit there and we go, because we've had these conversations, I want to do this, and I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to, you know, affiliate it out, and I'll do this, and then I'll, you know, and we talk about our big, mammoth, beautiful, stupid goals. Now, in our environment, you know, with the Jay Abrahams, the Greg Reeds, all of those conversations are like, great, how are you going to do Have you thought about that? What about, hey, let me introduce. They support. They challenge. They make sure you refine on your mission. And then they support. But how many times did we used to say that in the bar or the coffee shop and there'd always be that guy that would go, oh, Dave, you couldn't, are you <laughs> stupid? And they would mock you for fear that you would do it and prove that they're inadequate to do so. The toughest thing you have to do today, an action you have to do today, is you need to look at your table. You need to look at your room. That may be your wife. It may be, I'm going to go on record and say, I had a toxic mum. 
Yeah. She literally was very much against what I was trying to... She wanted me to stay a bricklayer. Imagine if I had to stay a bricklayer. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't be talking to you. <laughs> so, but she wanted that. And she took it as a personal insult that I left the family construction firm to come and try and do something different for my life. So there's a lot of that toxicity around. The first thing you've got to do is correct your table. And that's... It goes into the people that have actually had to do that. So that, I would say, the biggest and toughest thing to do first. And sitting at the table with you and our group of friends that sit at the table, one of the greatest lessons is how do we take energy out of the hater? And yeah. uh, I will personally tell you, I think it's one of my superpowers. And whether it was David Cor Corbin uh, with illumination or a variety of different techniques to not give it energy is one thing. But how do you take the power out of a hater when someone comes at you with judgment condition or attacks behind your back or on social media how best do you take the power out of or energy out of those haters well the first thing you've got to do is you've got to be you okay because you can't be strong if you're standing on stilts so if you've made up this <laughs> that again, I, you, I actually just made it up on the spot really should we, we should get that on a t-shirt yeah. take that one um, you cannot be strong standing on stilts i heard it so it's if you've created a persona an alter ego, a facade of who you are, because you're shy about being you, if you've done that, then you can easily be destroyed. So when the haters come at you for being, you know, oh my God, he's so crude or he's so direct, if, if you are kind of not strong in that position, it can affect you, it can hurt you, it can crack you, it can crumble you, okay? But if you're strong in who you are, if people, people have literally moaned at me, and this is a ridiculous thing, people have moaned at me about my earrings. <laughs> people have actually turned, and I'm, I'm a 55-year-old biker. I'm going to die with I don't even think I can take these things out anymore. <laughs> and, but people have literally gone, he's 55 years old. Shouldn't he grow up and get rid of the eyebrow ring? And they've literally said, I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah, That's it. That sounds you, like your answer. <laughs> you, don't, you don't hear it. And I think one of the things that I learned very early on was value the person that's actually saying it. Now, if I got a text from you, a call from you, and you're like, Sims, what are you doing here? I'm going to listen. Why? Because of the source. Mm. But if I've got someone just jumping on Facebook and they're just like, oh, look at that fat bloke on a motorbike. He thinks he's tough. Can't hear it. Yeah. It's a gnat. Uh, you know, go away. So that's, that's how I handle it. But you've got to be strong enough to be you. And here's something for people out there. And this, this will amaze you. It takes 0% for me to be me in effort. I love it. So as long as you... Are you and you show up, no one can ever attack you. And beyond that, too, there's a saying that changed my life from a neighbor of mine because I wanted people to love me. And this is part of the limitation. I wanted everyone to love me. Yeah. And I love the statement, you know, I'd rather pe people hate me for who I am than love me for who I'm not. Beautiful. And I, it was, it's a big problem with people, nice people especially, that feel as if, well, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Or And I used to... You know that saying by Marianne Williamson about liberating your light so others can liberate theirs? I, I would actually take my own thoughts and attribute them to other people because I was afraid that people wouldn't think they were warranted or credible or whatever. So I, I literally would come with my own ideas, ideas that I have today and say, well, you know, Steve Sims told me that, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, you know, be more interested than interesting. And like, oh, the... That's an amazing thing. And then I think to myself, why didn't I just take credit for it? Yeah. Why do you think it is that we want everyone to love us? And does that come from our family background or that approval that we need? I think it's generational. 
Uh, you know, we, we, we both remember a time that there was no Instagram. You know, there was no social media to prove how inadequate our lives were. <laughs> um, so I think we came from a point that we had to look at our neighborhood and those close to us. And we, we were actually talking with someone and we could gauge from their face and from their body language if we were connecting, okay? And there was only a few people. We, we say a message now, this show will reach people all over the planet. It will trigger someone from a country that we probably can't even spell. You know, we have no idea. Once it's out there, it's out there. But that wasn't the case when we were younger. So at that point in time, we wanted to make sure that we were a, you know, a, a contributing member of our neighborhood. So we had to fit in, even when it was going against us. But now, because we can actually go out to the world and go, look, there are billions of people in the planet. You've only got to get 0.0000% of those to relate to you, and you're a billionaire. Yeah. So now it's not a turkey shoot. Now, today, to actually get the people to actually work with you, to connect with you, and you can't create impact until you can actually be relatable. There's the whole, you know, trust, love, you know, those kind of thing. You've got to be relatable. They've got to be able to look at you, and that brings it down to clarity. And I think today, people are confusing each other, and it brings it back to you. We're confusing people by trying to be people that we're not just to get you to like us. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's wrong. There were three kind of people in the planet. There were those people in the planet that just love you. You know, I walked onto your show today. I spoke a couple of words. Guaranteed, there's a few people out there that have got, I love this guy. Yeah. It's great. He's got a funny accent. I love him. <laughs> Guaranteed, there's also a bunch of people out there that have got, I hate that guy. Yeah. I want nothing. And they probably turned off already. But what there isn't is that third species that we create, the fence sitters. Those are the people that when we're so convoluted with our message, when we're so confusing with our website, who we are, what do we stand for, or I've got to capture the market, you've got copy on your, on your website that you couldn't even read, let alone spell, you get that fence sitter that goes, I don't know what he's trying to say. And those are the people that we create. So if you really want to make an impact, if you really want to be relatable, the first thing you have to do is be completely concise and clear and crystal on who you are and be impossible to misunderstand. That'll get rid of the fence sitters. Those that don't want to work with you, go away. They'll be fine. They'll find someone else. Those that do want to, hey, you've just shown up. And I also think the people that are that 10%, I always call them, that don't like you no matter what, you're Tabasco in a wound, they actually protect you (laughs) because they're out there telling people these negative things about you. And the only people that listen are the same people that are at their frequency. It's great. So they just aggregate together and leave you alone. The positive people will do the same. But uh, last question. So when we go for stupid, right, something so outrageous, audacious that it scares you and definitely scares everyone else to the point where they doubt you, laugh at you, snicker at you, et cetera, um, there still is a hurdle for those big thinkers is this perplexing feeling of overwhelm that I don't know. Okay, I'm a big thinker. I believe in myself. I don't give a shit what anybody thinks of me. But then they don't know what they want because it gets so big. They're like, uh, like for me, right? It became clear as I got older to empower others, to empower others to be happy. That's to make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. I'm very clear on that. That's crystal. Those are my three things. Crystal. But it took me a long time because... I was a mess, and I didn't even believe my mess when I would start saying I want to make you know a, a billion dollars. Like that's a big one for people, right? I make a billion dollars. That's not really a clear message. It's not right. So how do we find the what? Well, the good thing is the, there's shows like this, 
And again, we came from a period in time where we didn't have these shows, right. you know? We can now surround ourselves with wealth of knowledge from these kind of speakers like yourself and your shows. So that can redefine, but you've got to define it. And that's the, the crystal thing. If you're unclear, continue, continue, continue. Try to define your goal. Not the, the, the classic, I want to be a millionaire. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when you were growing up and you want to be a yeah, millionaire? Five and years then, old. <laughs> and then you get your million and you're like, crap, I still got to work. Yeah. You know, I've got three <laughs> kids and they can't go to school unless I work, you know? So you suddenly realize that the bubbles burst and you realize your goal was not defined. Now we have the beauty of maturity, which is a very polite way of saying we're old, you know? <laughs> so we've been through these things. But the good thing is anyone listening to this show can tap into that experience and go, okay, I had this goal of a billion. What does that mean? Mm. What does that look like? And it's the classic Anthony Robbins, you know, plan out your day. If you had a billion dollars, where would you wake up? What would you look? What would you work on? What impact would you create? You know, where would you sleep? Who would you talk to? Plan that out. Because nine times out of 10, you'll find that you don't need a billion dollars to do that. But now you have a clear goal. Without a clear goal post, you're shooting blind. I agree. You got to know your what, your who, your how, your now, and apply your why. You got to go for stupid. There's no better way to go to stupid than to listen to two of the stupidest people I've ever met, Dave Meltzer and Steve D. Sims. It's an amazing thing to be radically humble. I appreciate you stopping by, my friend. You got to do Cheers, this man. again. Thank you so much. The incredible Steve D. Sims. Go for stupid. The art of achieving ridiculous goals. This is David Meltzer as they pile up outside at the win here in the lobby. The Blue Wire Studio 